An elegant weapon, but a more civilized age. Yo, this is Greg Capullo, man, and you're listening to Elegant Weapon. And you know who the biggest elegant weapon is? I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, got something to do with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 329. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi Ross, and for the first time in the year 2019, it is so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all had a fantastic holiday season. I enjoyed my time off. I hope you enjoyed the classic cuts that we provided while I was off chilling with the fam uh, but we're back and it feels very good to be back especially what we're coming back at you with for the first episode of the new year because this guest has been a long time coming uh, close to home close to the heart Mississauga boy Mr. Adam Gorham joins me on the show Adam and I hooked up at our LCS Altered States Comics in beautiful Clarkson, Ontario, Canada 1701 Lakeshore Road West Y'all need to check out Dave and Doug's Shack O'Comics going on there They're coming up on like their 30th year A fantastic little shop uh, It's been around a long time I've been going there since I was like 12 or 13 So Adam and I hooked up at Altered States And we talked all about his journey Uh, Through growing up in the hood uh, and becoming a comic artist. Uh, We talk about his work uh, for IDW, for Marvel, for Image, uh, and a lot of other stuff. His Ninja Turtle work, his New Mutants work. uh, He's got uh, James Bond cover we talk about. His latest offering is the cover for The Hunger Jughead Archie Comics. It's on the shelves now. Y'all need to go check it out. Uh, but yeah, we had a great conversation. Adam is a really nice guy. He's one of the most chilled, laid-back, down-to-earth guests I've ever had the privilege of having on the show. So it was a very, very pleasant conversation. So I do hope, indeed, that you all please enjoy my conversation with the lovely Mr. Adam Gorm. It's kind of cool how a lot of comic creators nowadays are living this modern family life, kind of. Because they spend so much time at home, and now they're spending a lot of time with the kids. Yeah. While the wives, or or husband, if it's female creator, is off doing, you know, a day job or whatever. It's very common to see. I, I, I guess it maybe always has been, but... I'm becoming more aware of it. Like, when I started out, I was one of the few comic creators that I knew who had a family, who had kids and stuff. Like, I came up with, like, a lot of guys in there, like, you know... Uh, 20s like you know uh, like 22 23 24 and at best they had like long-term girlfriends right Um, right. so it was like one of the few guys i knew who had kids and other guys who had kids had already been in the business for a few years and they were more established and it seemed like they had things figured out um and uh so yeah like i i you know in the past few years i've known more people who have started having families and um and that was good because I mean, not good for me personally, but it was nice to know other people who uh, were going through things that I had gone through or, or am going through. Um, 
just with like trying to balance like work and life and all that. Oh, that's the number one thing, right? Like of all the years I've been doing this show, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody where we didn't discuss the balance between family life and work. And it's not like a regular job, you know, no. it's, you, you, each project could take, you know, different amount of effort, different amount of time and having to self budget, self schedule yourself. Is, yeah. It can't be an easy thing, right? No, it's, I don't know. It must be like when you're a pitcher and you want to pitch the perfect game right like you want to find that you want to strike that perfect work life balance and it never happens right like <laughs> I, I might have like a good day um and like maybe like a good week if work is particularly light but like one thing usually dominates right and yeah. so you might like i might have a week where it's like i have to just you know pay less attention to you know not necessarily eat dinner with the family i might have to take my food upstairs or sure, sure. something like that or um if like i have kids that are sick or, or like this week my my oldest she's on winter break so she's right right yeah. so i've been you know kind of uh paying more attention to her um we're also a different generation where you know a couple decades ago you could probably just be like well i'm the man and i'm working and kids deal with it but now we're the a generation of guys who really want to be good dads and who want to like spend time with their kids do you know what i mean like we're the first generation that aspires to be good dads well not you know what i mean though like it's it's much more common now than it was in say like the 50s through the 70s right we're a much more sensitive fatherly generation i would say right like yeah i think like my that's what my dad would have experienced like not so much myself like because i was born in 85 grew up in the 90s my dad was there like he it was probably like his father that was more of us you know it was a bit more stonewall with him right um so i don't i so I, I my dad was like around and stuff um i mean he worked a lot as well but that like what you're talking about like that customary kind of like the dad was like this a noble right like figure yeah that jeff like definitely would have been my grandfather um and i sometimes worry about being like that um like not that I'm mean or anything, but you know, like I can be, you know, I'm sequestered in my home studio. Sure. Uh, and I spend long stretches like having to draw and whatnot, but you know, I, I make it out to, to school functions and I try and participate with, right. with things that they're doing. So I, I, I'd like to think that I'm, you know, not too aloof. No. Well, you seem like pretty involved. I mean, we were tentatively going to do this on Wednesday, but something very cool popped up for you to do with the kids. That's right. Which I saw online. Yes. That you got to go to the ROM there. Yeah. And have a little back backstage pass tour there. Kind yeah, of thing. I got to. Um, so my pal Fred, who, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fearless from the radio, um, uh, managed to he he was just uh, he's had their um, like. Dave, Dr. David Evans from the ROM, the paleontology department, has been on like his program to, to do different promotions and, and things like that. And um, so he extended an invitation um, to him to, to visit and, and so on. And Fred knows how much I like dinosaurs and all that stuff. And, right on. Uh, so we, and we both had children we needed to occupy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it was cool to see that one picture that he posted where it was, I guess it was the one piece that if the museum was burning down, they'd run back in for. Yeah. That, that skeleton, the that, skull of whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like the duck, it's a duck bill dinosaur and it's this uh, only skull of its kind. And, um, and it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's coveted. Like it's, it's a the rom has the original but they've got casts and molds of it in every major museum right 
in the world and you see it um, depicted a lot. Um, and so uh, it, when they were, uh, when Dr. Evans was bringing it out, he was, you know, he, he said, you know, we rarely ever open this up, which was like kind of nice to hear. Right, so, right. Um, it was certainly a privilege. That's a treat. Does a day like, how much does a day like that inform your art? Uh, days like that are kind of like nothing gets done. Like I kind of, I might do a little bit, I might do what I can in the morning. No, but as far as influence oh. wise, like when you spend a day at a place like the ROM and you're seeing things like skeletons, are, is, are you anywhere consciously or even subconsciously kind of soaking that in as far as, you know, reference for future drawing type uh, stuff? I mean, it's, I think I, I can't, it can't be helped. Like seeing those being exposed to, uh, to, to things like that. And when you go into a museum and you're looking at everything, um, it has to offer like you're you I think you I do take inventory of all of that um, and not necessarily on like a conscious level but apart from the dinosaurs um, you know like I was looking at medieval armor that they have there and like, right right I've drawn medieval uh, content before um, I plan to again um, so seeing things like that up close and, and, and appreciating them um, uh, yeah it's it, it will it does inform um, but I don't always, you know, I'm not always trying to like look at everything through that, um, through that frame of, of mind, which is like, I got to like, you're not constant. Right? Yeah. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. like, I'm not constantly trying to like, well, this, I got to put this to work somehow. Right. Um, but I, you know, like, it's more like you try to be a sponge and you absorb right. everything and you, you keep yourself open to life. And, um, cause you really, you know, I never know what will really, cause I, what will really move me? Cause I've, I've come across things where, you know, I'm, you know, uh, not really expecting to find any inspiration and in seeing something that I felt like compelled to sketch or, right. or take a photograph of for later on. Um, and then I've had other situations where like, I've had to get to work on something and I'll think back, like, didn't I, wasn't there something I was in this place. I was at the museum maybe. And I, didn't I see something that was along these lines and I'll try to like backtrack. Um, okay. Um, I'll never forget a tweet I saw because uh, Greg Capullo is great for his work in progress. Yes. Tweets, right? And <clears throat> this was during the run, the classic run with him and Snyder on Batman. Mm. And he posted a work in progress and it was a picture of, uh, I guess, the Gotham Natural History Museum. Mm -hmm. And it was a big giant T-Rex skeleton. Yeah. But then just like a billion like books all behind it. And all the caption said was, damn you, Snyder. <laughs> and he'd been posting it for a couple of days and it was this really, and I remember finally seeing it in the comic and being like, wow, like, you know, even guys like that have to have their moments of, you know, this is tough. Like I got to pull out a billion books on shelves here and that's the monotonous type stuff, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was going to say like those kinds of panels I've, there's, you know, and that's, that's the type of thing that I'm really trying to get better at because like I, you know, I like drawing like, some you know some poses or some vicious action but when a panel calls for something that needs to be like where it's like kind of like more common um and 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 like it's deceptively simple you know what i mean like right. when you're like trying to draw environments or or interesting interiors like things that really sell the scene um scenery work can take a lot of time to uh, imagine or find reference for and then you draft it and so much goes into it because it's not just um you know it's it's not just uh what's in the scene but also finding like interesting angles 
uh, for the scene itself. And so you might have the same uh, room or space or whatever, but you might want to show it from several different angles, depending right. on what is what's what's going on. And, and that's so, when it becomes work. That's when you realize, okay, this is my job. When you've got to spend an entire day doing like a street scene or yes, a building exactly. or something. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it's like you know all that perspective work. It's that's definitely more like the vegetables <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, you got to yeah, eat. Yeah. Um, but it's necessary, and it's like the environment is a character too, and it really it you know it's it it sells the story. Well, sometimes especially when you got like a Batman book, like Gotham is a huge main character yeah. it has to be done a certain way it's yeah. gotta look a certain way i think know? that's probably like the best example for um you know uh, explaining to artists like why uh, why scenery and, and interiors and, and and things like that like why they're in so important why they're so important is like because everybody um can recognize gotham like you know yeah when uh, people who draw batman comics um I'm sure it's something that they're like very familiar with it. Like Gotham has to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so you can always sort of tell Gotham just because of, of the like character work that they put into it. And um, you probably looking at it for the most part, don't even appreciate how distinctive it is. And mm -hmm. it's, but it's something that helps sell that scenery and helps make the character. And that should be true of, you know, I try to make it true of everything that I draw. Um, well, your turtle work, the sewers, yeah, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, like, <clears throat> every little pipe, you know, every little rat in the background. Yeah, that was totally fun too, because yeah. I, I, um, I mean, I, I, like, I grew up watching the turtles and being big fans of those movies and playing the, the games and, and so when I started drawing the Ninja Turtles, that kind of came back to me because like I drew a lot of that when I was a kid, and it was fun to draw pipes that just didn't really make sense or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. Or, um you were just you know it, it just uh i got i got really into it so like the the i guess landscape of the of the ninja turtle environment um uh, i was able to like it it felt very second nature to me in a way right right yeah. well you're that generation too right yeah so i, so. I, I usually don't go <clears throat> too far back into the origin stories and stuff <laughs> you know it's a pretty conversational show but yours i'm particularly interested in because it's so close to home right right like uh it, it, it's strange. I was born in 77 and I moved from St. Catharines to Mississauga when I was uh, like nine. So it was like 85. Okay. It's so like the year where you were born was yes. the year I moved to this area. Okay. And I grew up uh, like the McFarlane Spider-Man era was like hardcore era for me. That's when I was like, you know, 10 to 13 years and had, you know, maybe a year before or two before that discovered altered states here and had started really go into comic shops and mm -hmm. stuff you know so i remember that era but you're a little bit after me then yes but also <clears throat> just having gone to the schools around here and spent my time going and getting you know beef patties from boston which <laughs> i you know i don't know if that triggers anything in your head but no <laughs> okay well what, what are you clarkson or like where were you raised exactly i so i was born in perth um uh which is just shy of uh you know going towards like it's you know Lanark County and Ottawa going that way um in 85 and moved to Mississauga when I was two and we were more of uh, like uh, uh Cooksville okay I guess um so there's like so many names because there's like oh, yeah, Aaron, little pockets Arendelle and yeah so I was like Cooksville Arendelle area and um so I lived 
off of um, not far from like Dundas and Arendelle Station Road. Okay. And I grew up in an apartment complex there for uh, my childhood. And um, growing up, there was uh, near me Westdale Mall, just off of Dundas oh, and yeah. Arendelle Station Road. Right, right. And so in the 90s, like they had this cigar newsstand, like, you know, cigar shop slash newsstand that was really like on the comic bandwagon, like in the big 90s bubble. Yeah. So they had like a um like you know when i was a kid like it seemed like they had everything like they had a pretty incredible selection and so and they had like all the trading cards things like that so i was always in there uh any anytime i had like money to burn and i'd i'd go across the street and i'd buy you know um whatever i could really afford like i was like really bad at math (laughs) and didn't know how much money i had so i would just basically find a comic that i wanted and I was always thrown off by the American Canadian pricing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I would like, I think I have that much. It was like really <laughs> pathetic. Like I, I'd just bring the book to the cash yeah, and they'd look at it and thing. they'd be like, no. <laughs> so I'd have to go back and find a different one. And, you know, like, cause I was a kid and I didn't have like a revenue stream. <laughs> right. Um, I wasn't buying comics regularly. I didn't have anybody buying comics for me regularly. So like I, had a really sporadic collection over the years just okay. like and I, so i never followed any one title or character all the way through anything oh, like no? I, no like i had characters that i liked but um i wasn't reading enough material to know a lot about them okay i learned a lot of things through word of mouth and through um like in the building that i lived in we wound up having um there was another guy who he was much older and he had like a pretty massive comic collection. And so I'd go over to his place after school and he would tell me a lot of stuff. So I learned a lot of stuff through, through other people, not necessarily reading comics. Um, but yeah, I mean, like for instance, like the longest time um, I would buy, like I remember I got my hands on a couple of issues of uh, executioner song um, with strife okay. and wow. Yeah. And, but like, one was from like uncanny and one was from like x factor and like one was you know part nine one was part four like nothing made like i there was no real there wasn't a lot of connective tissue and so i had to like bridge a lot of the gaps on my own and um and i and i didn't know what the hell was going on i didn't most didn't know most of the characters and so i am and i I was also bad for never actually like reading the words in comics. I like, I just appreciated the art. So what came first art or comics? Were you already interested in being an artist? Were you a doodler? Kid? I was, I was always, I was already drawing. I was drawing for, I drew throughout my childhood, but, um, I, I saw the, in executioner song, I saw that strife had, had a pointy head, beast had a pointy head and Wolverine had a pointy head. And so, <laughs> In my mind, I was like, these guys must be brothers. <laughs> so they, ah. What are the odds that there'd be three different characters in, in the X-Men universe that had pointy heads and right. had the same aesthetic? So they obviously must be brothers. And um, That's I mean, a great logic. Man. Yeah, and I was <laughs> like, Wolverine, must he's probably the good brother because he's on the X-Men. <laughs> Beast is probably like the anti-hero brother because he's like a monster, obviously. And then yeah. Strife is straight up bad because his horny head is just metal. And... <laughs> He seems to be the villain of this series. Right. And so like, that's, you know, that's how I read comics for a long time was just like jumping to my own conclusions based on like the visuals I saw. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know I drew for years before that. And, um, uh, uh, I think one of the reasons why comics appealed to me was because I wanted to 
tell stories through my drawings. Okay. Um, and so for a long time, even in school, when I was asked to write things, I would have like accompanying drawings with them. And so I would like write these really broken paragraphs, but would have my pictures sort of kind of carry what right. I had written. So yeah. if like I just made more sense to you, this yes. is an expression of what you're thinking. Yeah. 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 And it was also kind of just me being bad at doing schoolwork where it's like, <laughs> you know, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing the work of learning to read and write, but I could draw. So it's like, well, I'll write as much as I know how to, and then I'll have my drawing do the rest of the talking for okay. me. Okay. Yeah. Um, Where'd you go to school? I went to John 23rd elementary school. Um, and then I went to St. Martin's secondary school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of encouragement in those schools. Uh, I mean, artistic wise, no, like oh. certainly not, <laughs> not an elementary school, like in elementary school, I find like all grade schools are pretty, they're, you know, like they're anal retentive. Like they're dealing with children who have short attention spans sure. and so on. Like they're just sure. trying to, they're just trying to like ingrain kids like that there are rules in life and you got to behave a certain way. Yeah. And they just want you to follow directions. And it wasn't until high school where I started taking art class that, um, I had any kind of formal training whatsoever. Okay. Uh, but I loved it. And so I took art all throughout high school. Um, I'm also like a really bad student. So as much as I loved doing art in class, I was terrible for doing homework. Right. Um, right. And, uh, but, uh, so I, my art teacher in grade nine, it's a guy named David Hollywell, who was immediately very supportive. Um, and I didn't have him throughout. I had him a couple of times, but he was kind of like uh, certainly one of my favorite teachers and um, was a, uh, you know, was a, provided a lot of good support throughout my, my four years of high school. Right, right. It must be hard then once you're out because I know that's when, if you decide to be an artist, it's right after high school that it basically begins. I mean, yeah, you can go to college and, you know, but also college is learning to be an adult and learning to feed yourself and, you know, maybe yes. if you're paying rent. <laughs> so you went to Sheridan, didn't you? I did. Um, I, I burned out of Sheridan. So I didn't go to school right away for art. I, okay. I decided that I didn't want to try to go into any school. Um, like my grades weren't there. Um and I, I had one of the, again, going back, like, I was a terrible student. So like, I had one of those like fake graduations where like, I was missing a credit. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so I got my diploma you anyway. You want to go with your friends though, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. like they, you know, like I, they gave, they were, you know, kind enough to like, let me go to the ceremony. I got my <laughs> diploma, but then that summer I had to go and make up the credit that I right. had lost. I like I, I think I just like spaced on biology. I, <laughs> I wanted to do one class. I think I wanted to do a weight training class or just something, but it got filled up. And the only thing left available for me in that semester at that period was like university level biology. Yeah. And I had never taken biology before. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, sure, let's start. do it. You know, how hard can biology <laughs> be? And, um, it was like really, you know, I found it to be impenetrable. So after, a, after like a month, I just, I skipped the class regularly yeah. and I hadn't, I remember like going into the exam, not having been to the class in probably like a few weeks. And I don't even know how I managed to pull that off, but, um, I failed obviously. <laughs>
And um, so I'd, anyway. Yeah. Um, so when did you decide you want to be an artist? Had you already decided basically or kind of instinctively knew this is all I'm going to be able to so do? Year, so Yeah. Well, after a year <laughs> after I was out of high school, I, you know, I started working and I decided to um, just make a go of it. And I wanted to go to Sheridan for illustration, um, but didn't qualify and got into Art Fundamentals instead. And Art Fundamentals is like a portfolio builder. Like that's you take that course to strengthen your your skills so that you can go either into animation or okay. illustration. Okay. Show your basics kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. And because um, it's it's a year, it's not a prerequisite for anything, or at least it wasn't when I was there. And so my mentality was like, I'm going to take art fundamentals and I'm going to put all of my work into building my portfolio. And, um, and so that's what I did. And I didn't like bother much with homework again. <laughs> and so I, when the time came to apply for illustration for the following year, I passed my portfolio uh, exam and I just thought, great. And then I didn't bother doing anything else because um, I thought that I was set. <laughs> I'm and covered. Then my, it's all good. Yeah. And then my guidance counselor called me in and was like, you know, um, we're going to make you, you passed your portfolio exam for illustration, but we're making that conditional on that. You like, you have to pull up your grades because yeah. <laughs> they're awful. And you, we like, you need to show you're a serious student. Like this just isn't enough. And I was very used to doing the bare minimum. Um, and so like, I, I learned this, I was given this information when I had three week, three weeks left of class. It was also a year where the teachers had gone on strike. So I had missed if like, like everybody missed a whole bunch of weeks and we weren't given extra time to make up for the time we lost. Oh, damn. So I had a mountain of work. Um, it was mostly my fault. And so rather than make any effort to get those grades up, hand anything in, I just stopped going to school entirely. Oh. So I just like never went back. And then I, <laughs> yeah, I know like it isn't something I recommend. It's not even something I'm necessarily proud of, but um, and I went working full time at different places and, um, so sort of went from like one full time job to another. And I remember working at a, like Loblaws grocery warehouse when it was just off of, um, Aaron Mills and like near the 401 there. Okay. And, uh, I hated it. It was miserable work and I hated well, yeah, that place. That sound um, and, uh, yeah. And Good so to hear that you did something like that though, you know, cause you know, certain artists come out and you just think, oh, they've just been drawing forever. They drew through school. They got out of school. They kept drawing. But, no. you know, a lot of people had to, you know, well, I had do wish... hard labor for a bit. I mean, like, I, you know, as much as I, 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 I like manual labor jobs, but, like, I kind of wish that I had better sense to, like, that back then to be a better student. Um, but that's hindsight. Of course. But it was, yeah, I was working a few dirty jobs that I realized, like, if I want to do what I want to do, then I just have to do it and that's like the good thing about comics is that you don't need like a bachelor of arts or anything like right. that to to get into it um and i had enough skill to start and the rest i just you know i learned by doing and um learned through uh, uh, uh ty's um ty's comic boot camps so, so I, you did take ty's course yeah for a right, couple of years right i took a couple of his i took a few of his courses um uh ty I took one that Ty taught and I took one that Leonard Kirk taught. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and both of them. Yeah. yeah. Like both like Ty's a, he's a wonderful teacher and like a veteran, um, in, in writing and, and drawing comic book stories and just like a, like a, a well of information. And, um, you know, Leonard, uh, he's like, he's phenomenal. And, um, I mean, he taught, I remember he would teach classes while finishing like, 
yeah pages <laughs> like i remember he'd like he would give a lesson and then we'd all get to work on it and then he'd sit down and, and knock out a page he was like drawing <laughs> and he was drawing x factor at the time oh right and yeah. um or something uh and uh and i remember i asked him because i was just trying to make conversation with him and i knew he was drawing something x-men related and i asked him something like so do you think this character is going to do this he was like look i don't actually read this stuff <laughs> <laughs> i don't even think he put it that nicely he's such a straight shooter he always um, has been when i've had the chance to talk to him it's great <laughs> yeah he's i've talked to him i mean for a long after that one interaction i got nervous about talking to him <laughs> just because he was like i don't read this shit and um he was never mean or anything like that but because it was so like it was such a like a blunt answer right it made me wary, um, but I've talked to him a bunch of times since that shows, and um, he's 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 very nice. But yeah, he's been killing the Star Wars too. He, I don't, I don't think he's capable of drawing bad. He's <laughs> pretty much. He's, he's so he's really really good, and he's like his drafting is is first rate. So I've I really admire what he, you know, yeah. Yeah. what he does you gotta feel lucky to come up in this community too though with guys like ty and leonard kirk who you can see on a regular basis it shows all over the place and there's such a supportive community here but there's also so much opportunity there are so many art schools and galleries and courses you know yeah. it's just like the perfect environment to grow a comic creator yeah like it's i don't know toronto is really lucky in that it has this a pretty phenomenal comic scene I know not every city has it and not every city has one that is as um, populated and vibrant as Toronto's. But, right. and I didn't know this for a long time. Um, oh, I've seen it going around. It's, it, you, you don't realize what we have here until you go other places. Yeah. Well, it took a long time for me to get exposed to it because mm. I wasn't very outgoing either. Like I, I took me, like I didn't go to my a comic convention until I was like in my like twenties and I was right. dragged there by my partner and she we were you know this is when we were dating and she was like you know you you want to draw comics but you've never been to a comic convention and I, was, <laughs> and I just like going to things just seemed weird to me i don't know i was very sheltered so right on. um so i went to one and i saw all these like all the you know like i at that time i was collecting a lot and reading a lot but um as far as artists went i i didn't really I didn't really think about the people behind the comics I was enjoying. Like I, you know, I, I saw the names. I didn't either when I was younger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I didn't, yeah, I didn't think of them as like creators. All these, like these books were created by people. Yeah. I, all I recognized were the brands themselves and the, and, you know, the universes and the characters, you know, for themselves. And like, cause that's what I was checking in for. And so I didn't really get a, a, a sense of, of, of creators behind the books until I started going to shows and seeing guys at tables and looking at their work and then having a, you know, that's when I developed a real appreciation for the people making these, making these comics. And it only made sense because I wanted to do that myself. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, but anywho, I didn't realize. So even after I started seeing artists at shows, it didn't hit me how many of them were local. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and not just like, you know, like people who work on, you know, like this, like a mid-level book or whatever, like that. But like, like real A-list talent um, are you know born and bred here in the GTA. Yeah. So that once I started to realize that, like that was pretty mind-blowing. And 
I think it's good for guys like you and guys who are maybe at that like level down of experience because of the fact that say we took you and your successes, you know, and everybody you've worked for and all the titles and amazing things you've done so far and maybe put it in a little town somewhere else in, you know, Midtown USA, you know, right. just anywhere USA. And you'd probably be like the star of that town. Do you know what I mean? If it was like a little less populated town, just for what you've worked on. Right. But then around here, you're kind of, you know, as successful as you are and amazing, there's still this other level of guys who've been doing it for so long for the big two. Yeah. That, you know, the Lashleys and the Templetons and everything that they're, you know, that maybe it keeps you a little humble or keeps you hungry working for more. It's certainly, it certainly keeps me humble. And I think that's important. Um, one of the best uh, like eye-opening pieces of advice Ty ever gave me when I was taking his his his, his course. Um, we were just we were having, it was after one of his lessons and we were standing outside and I forget why, but we were we had yet to really like go our separate ways and he said um, I was just asking about how to break in and I, I which is I'm sure a question he gets a lot. And it is something that he kind of covers in his course. But anyway, right. um, he was like, well, what is it you want to do? Like, what do you consider breaking in? And I was like, well, what if I want to draw Batman? And he was like, the thing you have to understand is that you like in like in mainstream comics, especially on like the bigger titles out there, like you, it's a world stage. You're competing with right. literally every able-bodied artist in the entire world because that's who um, publishers are, are looking at. You know, mm-hmm. like they're going... They're going to every country in the world looking for talent. So if you want to work on, say, like, you know, like a character like Batman or Spider-Man or, or whomever, you have to be as good or better than the guy they currently have doing it. Yeah. They're like hiring <laughs> like the best guys to get that stuff done. And that um, was very it was like it was very humbling and, and necessarily and necessary. Um, and I think that that was something that I I know for me, like I didn't really connect like it didn't hit me before because like um as you say like if i had been far more insulated like in a town or in a city mm-hmm. where i where i couldn't be exposed to like a community or, or even like shows on a regular basis um i would probably be really content with the fact that i could draw anything and, yeah yeah and it's like well i drew something so i like i managed to finish a comic that i that i made myself therefore i must be as great as people you see on the shelves and it wasn't until i got was told like compare yourself to who's currently on like sitting on on that shelf yeah um that i started it was like a it was a nice kick in the pants where it was like being like the best guy in my high school yeah (laughs) will never be good enough being the best guy in my art class will never be good enough being the best guy in the room will never be good Mm -hmm. enough like you're Mm -hmm. competing with literally like the world's best especially in comics when it's almost like acting like you need the right actor for the role and yes. you know there's a lot of a good example of that was uh gotham central's sketch battle that they have every year yeah and they have yeah. like the 30 people do a giant sketch battle yeah and you've got some insane artists you know all the spent pencils crew and you know arnold trinidad and all those guys some amazing artists mm-hmm. and then in walks jay fosgate mm-hmm who, you know, he doesn't draw like these guys do at all. It's a whole other thing, yes. right? But the voting was done online. So it's not just pure judging of the art. And everybody's just, you know, doing amazing work. But it's like, okay, this round, Wolverine. And everybody would just draw Wolverine. 
Yeah. But, you know, Jay would put some kind of spin on it, yeah. some kind of thing where he'd make it like a cartoon, and the voting would just explode <laughs> just because that's just what people liked. You know, not that the other stuff wasn't as good, if not better, art than what he was doing. But like I say, you just, you know, you, it's surprising what can be, you know, more successful than others at times just because it hits the right, yeah. uh, like, heartstring in somebody. You know what I yeah. mean? So. Yeah, so like I'm saying in comics, it's like you're saying, you know, not just better than the the next guy, but you got to be right for that, you know, like yeah, depending on what you're going after or, or what you're what you're putting yourself up for, or, right, or what they're what they're looking to cast. So yeah, like it's you kind of you, you make aesthetic choices that I think will, um, you know, make you better suited for like one type of book or one type of character or one you know one type of story than others right um, and i've you know like i've i'd like to think that i am like uh i'm i'm i can be diverse in the way i draw i suppose i'm not you're very unique no that's not true at all um, you have the cool thing about describing your art i've always found for myself is it's a very cliched word but it it really really is you know adept for your work is edgy mm. And I don't just mean edgy in the edgy, you know, outside of the norm type thing. But you've got a very stark, you know, style to your drawing. It can be very, very, you know, not like it's straight lines, but you're not like a super curvature type artist. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if I'm explaining myself. Yeah, right, like but... I think it comes from having a heavy hand. And okay, because um, I've, you know, I, I, I can pencil hard. I can like I, I can ink pretty hard um and so because i have a heavy hand i don't bother trying with light um like you know lines that have like feathery light like they're okay lightweight um like i and, and so i know how i hold like my instruments so i draw accordingly okay so i know what kinds of lines i'm working with and and just depending on what i want to get across too um so like i will you know like i i do tend to go like um, harder with like with sharper lines as opposed to right, more, right. more of like an open style of drawing. Right. Um, so rather than like, you know, imply uh, uh, shape and tone and stuff like that, like I, I try to render it with, you know, with, um, uh, with brush strokes and things like okay, that. Okay. Yeah. Cause your sketching is also kind of, kind of the same way. Like when I see your work in progresses, um, it's amazing how much you can accomplish with with so many with so few lines. You yeah. know, when you're just doing your rough stuff, I'm saying like not even first drafts, but just when you're planning stuff out, I'm like, just look at the way the fingers are. You'll just I'm like, yeah. Like, and I I do a lot of the drawing tight. in the inks, um, which is something I've gotten. More. Anytime I've had to pencil really tight with another inker in mind, I found it really difficult. Um, but uh, so I do a lot of drawing in the inks and. Uh, um, I find like, you know, you develop a muscle memory for certain okay. things. Um, and so as you, you know, you have, as you have your muscle memory and you have a shorthand for, you know, like I can visualize how I want to ink it. So I don't need to put all of the work into the pencil. And right. Anytime that I've put a lot of work and love with the pencil, I never capture it again with the ink. Okay. Um, and almost anytime I've drawn something like really well, in pencil I, I almost don't want to touch it with ink oh that's um, different yeah yeah just like it's you know all the life is there right and i'm not going to recapture it with ink it'll like become something else so if i'm 
if I get so content with the way I pencil it, like I just, I don't like the drawing is done. Yeah. Um, so I try not to finish it in pencil. I try to finish it in ink. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you ever think you'd end up drawing an Archie comic? No, <laughs> that really is. When, yeah. When you put it like that, it is surprising. Cause I grew up around Archie comics. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, everybody did like they're at the, you know, check out at supermarkets. Right. Um, that's how I first got into comics was drawing, driving to the cottage. Yeah. My mother would buy me Green Lantern and Flash comics and Archie comics mm. and Mad Magazine. And that's how I got into realizing all that stuff existed was drives to the cottage, mm. you know, something to keep the kid quiet. I had, <laughs> I had some, I, I, I can't even remember um, who exactly. Cause I was, even before my, I got my first serious comic um, I had been exposed to comics. I think they're just something that, you know, people give to kids. Right. Oh like, yeah. Like you, like you were just yeah, saying. Yeah. So I was, I was always familiar with them. My dad was a big pop culture fan. So he kind of gave me like, made sure that I had seen things like, you know, he, I watched star Wars and Indiana Jones and like, you know, I, nice. all that, all the classic stuff. On VHS. Duties. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I had, I was on a healthy diet of pop culture growing up. But, um, you know, it was things like a lot of things like there were, it was stuff that was already around and was being fed to me. Like it was there already to be consumed. I wasn't discovering anything of my own. And right. So I, I wouldn't say that it was like, it informed like your taste, but it ne wasn't necessarily your taste in the same way that like you grew like, you know, when I grew up, like the Beatles, um, existed. They just like they, you know, they were already the greatest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't say that I ever like I can appreciate and accept that the Beatles are like the greatest thing. But I've never, ever felt like they're my band because right. they just were, yeah. you know, um, they're almost too big to take to make personal for yourself because they're already so part of the world. So yeah. Right? Like they yeah. mean something to everybody. Yeah. And so I've so um, anyway, so with comics, it was sort of like. There's a lot of stuff that I was already familiar with, but things that I drew attachments to because I felt like I had discovered them myself were not necessarily like, you know, like I had always, Archie was always just around. Yeah. And I never felt particularly drawn to Archie just because like it was a comic and a character that I knew was always there mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, just sort of didn't, wasn't what I was looking for, I guess. Um, but uh, yes, they they've just been doing some really interesting things with their brand, um, and I think it for me I know that it began with Afterlife. Like I think for a lot of people, Afterlife turned a lot of heads, mm -hmm. um, and then with uh, you know um, Mark Wade's uh, Archie book, um, and there's that other one there. What was it Life with Archie? Yeah, people um, loved all that new stuff. Yeah, right? the way it's all turned. Like Riverdale is a huge show. Riverdale, like, yeah, like yeah. yeah, Riverdale came a little. Like Riverdale was one of the first things for Archie that I got to draw that cover. Um, the first thing I I don't know how like they Archie must have seen my work online because they sent me an email just asking if I wanted to do a variant for an upcoming issue of Afterlife. Nice. So there's a like there's a there's a variant cover of Afterlife that I've drawn that's just like I don't know if anybody will ever see it. Right. Because it was for an issue that um, like I don't I forget where they stopped at. But it was beyond that. Oh. <laughs> um, so if it ever comes back, you might see it. But they liked it a lot. And um, so then they offered me this this cover for Riverdale. 
and um and you know they we just were able to like they like what i'm doing and i i like where their heads are at with with their properties they they and i've talked to them since and they seem really game to try to try anything with their characters and their brand that they think will be it's working exciting yeah yeah it's totally brought in a whole new generation of of fans yeah it's it's definitely worked we have to touch on the big exciting stuff okay of (laughs) those moments you know when like idw calls Mm -hmm. and hey you want to do ninja turtles and you know when was the turn you say it was around like you know was it 2008 maybe or so you're doing stuff with ed and no i i started like i started drawing comics independently like as a as an indie guy and self on self-published stuff in 2008 but it wasn't until about 2014 that i started to do stuff that like was a credit right like on on something mainstream um and a lot of it like a lot of the opportunities came from just like uh, you know, from doing the indie stuff, obviously, and from meeting people at shows and networking and putting my artwork out there where it could be seen and people were picking up on it. Um, and I made friends that way. And so like my a good friend of mine, Michael Walsh, we met in a sketch blog that like he, myself and a bunch of other Toronto based artists um, were contributing to. And um, we were both very attracted to one, each- one another's art. Um, we met for the first time at a fine expo that, that year and we just hit it off. Like I instantly liked him and I dare say he instantly liked me and he and Ed were, um, uh, comeback was just about to come out for them. So at image and it was both their first image book. And so those guys were just like, were like, that was the start of their big of, of, Pop, of their right, careers. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but I, you know, like I, had the, but I hadn't, I had only known Mike through like our sketch blog. So I, he, we were both kind of like on the same, we were both just a couple of guys. Right. Um, to, to phrase it poorly. And I had met Ed that year as well. And Ed was just like, you know, he was, he was a nice guy. And, um, and so we were, you know, we, neither of us, it's like, you know, we were all just kind of like, starting out right uh and that was the ground so i met them on the ground floor is what i'm trying to say um but like ed had already been like working for years and years in comics um creating his own stuff writing his own stuff lettering a lot of things he he, you know he had his own publisher or was his own publisher uh, for a stretch so he like he was seasoned in his own way right um but anyway um but by through knowing them i wound up getting opportunities later on so they they, you know, they did come back and that got them opportunities. And so when Mike um, was basically taking on more than he can chew, he, you know, he he asked if I would ink some stuff for him because um, he trusted me to do it. And uh, uh, so I inked um, some, uh, I helped him ink uh, the first issue of Zero, uh, another image book that Alish Cott wrote. Um, and, uh, and then later on, he was drawing X-Files at IDW but got this one shot, this um, X Files TMNT one shot, yeah, yeah, the crossover yeah. that Ed was Ed was uh, writing. He was drawing. Jordi Belair was coloring, and Mike asked if I would ink it, and I had just inked some pages for uh, from zero with him, so I seemed like a very natural fit, and so I that was my first straight up professional credit, and it was through that like I you know the editor on that book I kept in touch with them and was sending them samples and so like. 
getting like eventually getting turtle work was like a real slow burn for me because okay. like I had I had done some inking and you know like I you know as an inker like it wasn't a glory job like I you know I it was I got the pages in on time and that was appreciated. That's important. Oh That's yeah, yeah, yeah. The most important thing. Yeah. yeah, like it looked fine and it was yeah. and I was and I was on time. And so he was like the editor was like happy to hear from me again. So you know, I was sending him samples for a while and then that you know later on he he gave me like a, a cover assignment um which led to three more cover assignments and then which led to a boatload of cover assignments yeah so you know i just uh i was just persistent in like keeping people up to date with what i was doing and so yeah like i i got an offer to draw like interiors um probably like a couple like two or three years after that initial assignment and it okay. was just through doing enough stuff and you know keeping you know keep keeping myself keeping me on 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 their minds yeah on the radar yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's very very important so tell me about the marvel call you must remember the moment that it kind of happened i do yeah <laughs> um so we were finishing we were done the violent um and like the violent was such a rough like i love that book it was rough though because um we had uh Ed and I had pitched the violent. It got greenlit. Image had said we were going to put it out this time next year, um, and so we had. A, and this was we got in just before they had like now with Image. If you pitch a book before they even like announce it, they they want at least three issues in the can. Right. They want to know that the book will come out. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. But so we got in just before that, and so they were like, we're gonna position you guys to come out a year from now and so on and so we didn't have to break ground on the book for a while and i got some work at valiant in the meantime and so i was able to like you know do a mini series at valiant and then go right into the violent after that and it was when i started work on the violent that i had uh, we gave birth to our second daughter and so when i started the violent i had this newborn on my hands oh, so no. it was it was very tumultuous <laughs> Um, you must have been tired i was very tired it was very <laughs> stressful and then there were other hiccups with the book as well but like i was doing everything i could just to like keep myself together and, and keep work you know getting done as we said earlier like i you're always striving for that perfect work-life balance yeah. but with a newborn that shit's out the window <laughs> um so when we when we got the violent, like we had wanted it to do better, um, and we had plans for more installments in the anthology, uh, just the sales didn't weren't there, and so we were, you know, Ed was like, "Should we do?" We were like, we were debating on like what 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 else we could do with it, um, and so there we had a couple of other publishers interested in in doing something with us, like continuing the violent there at the time, and we mulled that over. We mulled over doing a Kickstarter and so on and so forth. And while all that was going on, I didn't have any other prospects at the time. And so I was like, it was slowly dawning on me that like, as the last issue was, was rolling out and I was finishing it up, I had nothing to go from. And that like, it was, you know, I had in, in the past, I had been pretty good about trying to line something up and, and like, you mm -hmm. know, uh, keep it rolling. rallying for work before I would really need it. And, um, because I was so, uh, you know, like by the skin of my teeth, but the violent, I hadn't really done any campaigning for anything. So I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I was 
like like I was considering going back to work full time and and uh, and so on, which I had done before. Um, throughout throughout working on comics, I've held on other jobs. Um, so I remember being in a Walmart, picking up diapers, um, <laughs> uh, before having to go pick up uh, Tesh at the ghost station, and I checked my phone and I got an email from from Marvel asking if I was interested in in drawing a book for them, and so. Uh, yeah, I was, I was in, like, I was in the diaper aisle of a Walmart. <laughs> That's awesome, and, Like, yeah, like, it hit, uh, it felt like I got hit with, like, a phone book in, like, the best way. Like, yeah, it, no, like, yeah, it was yeah. just such a, like, it, I felt a rush straight to my head. You, like, look around and tell somebody. <laughs> yeah, like, and I, I was with, like, my, my infant, and I was just, <laughs> like, you know, I, um, it was pretty thrilling, and, yeah. uh, so, of course, like, you know, I, I, Tesh, I told told my buddy Mike and so on and at this point I didn't even know what it was that they had in mind for uh, had me in mind for and I just said of course and like you know tell me more and so on and I had to wait a couple of days he was like because they were like great um glad to know you're interested uh, I'll be in touch in a couple of days and because we're lining something up and I didn't know what it could be but I figured having just done like a, a street level crime book it had to be something like the Punisher, Moon Knight, Marvel Knight, something in that vein. And they got back in touch with me and were like, do you want to draw a Rocket Raccoon? And um, I like I. Was that was, surprising? It was totally surprising. <laughs> I was like no less excited to do it, but it was just out of left field for me. Mm-hmm. And um, but it made sense when they got into the premise of the book and it's like, OK, it's Rocket, but it's with you know it's it's focusing on him when he's not palling around with the guardians and this it's returning him to like you know his rascally crime roots and al ewing who wrote it um had a you know he had this like hard-boiled uh raymond chandler take on the character and and so on and i uh i really i really dug it um so i wound up having a, a wild time with with rocket um and then after that, uh, I was fortunate enough to get offered uh, New Mutants, um, and, uh, and which was like a whole other thrill. Dude, of that's own. crazy. New Mutants. When I was ten, eleven, or so, that was a big time for New Mutants. Yeah, it was so popular at the time. I remember how popular New Mutants was. And then when it came along years later, and I saw you were doing it, and <laughs> a lot of it was still like classic characters and stuff. Like that must have been fun, man. It was really thrilling. Like I had wanted to draw an X book since forever. So getting offered one, I like, I, you know, was very honest that I wasn't most familiar with new mutants. I was familiar with the characters, Mm -hmm. but I had missed their heyday. Right. And, um, and like I, you know, different characters popped up in other X books that I had read or or whatever, but I had never been a, you know, big fan of like the quartet. It's just, it was just stuff that I had not read. But I was like still super pumped to do it, and Matt Rosenberg, um, who wrote it, I had known for a while and had wanted to work with him um, leading up to that. So it just seemed like this great marriage, um, and it was like it was uh, like just a thrill to do, and like I'm really happy that I've got that under my belt. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, forgive using the word again, but you brought an edge to the New Mutants <laughs> and to the look of it that is so perfect for them, man. And in fact. I'm not sure of the timing with everything, but the new Mutants movie that's coming out, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for it. Yeah, yeah. And you know how it's more kind of horror type, and it's got 
I don't know. There's a, it almost feels influential there, or a little bit of the same. You and somebody had the same idea going on of this a little darker, I, a little edgier kind of New Mutants look. You know, I I, th- I think it was just in the air. Yeah, um, that's what. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it was for sure. Because yeah. when I was when I was first when the project was first being described to me by the editor, um, the, like you know he it was, yeah, uh, Darren. Uh, his name's Darren, and um, he had this like it was like his idea for it um he had like he had a real vision for what he wanted this particular title to be and um and he wanted it to be kind of like x-men meets the x-files right because you know like the new mutants have dealt with supernatural stuff in the past um you know like you know you have characters on that team that like you know you know Ilyana rasputin um you know like she's uh, it deals with the underworld and demons and stuff. You got uh, Wolfsbane, who's like yeah, the yeah. Wolfman, and yeah. so on and so forth. So like, there is like this. There, there's a lot of overlap with like the horror and supernatural, yeah. and, and so on. So, um, you know, he had this angle that he wanted to go, and like Matt had like these grand designs for it as well. Um, and so I don't really think that there was like any intentional to try and do you know whatever the movie was doing oh yeah i i, I didn't want to make but, it sound like i'm saying they went as far as that anything was based on anything but no, like no. you say it was perfect to say it was in the air it seems like that that they had this you know to update it to this edgier kind of supernatural feel right yeah like yeah. I, I think that just having like knowing that you have these characters that have these aspects to them like it was a way to set them apart from like what other mutant teams were doing yeah yeah so because they were always the weird ones back in the day you know like they were cool and they were younger and you wanted to understand but they were almost heavier than a lot of the other x books yeah and there's a little more confusing kind of storyline i remember just when i was being a kid but uh yeah it's beautiful work you've done man oh thanks it's it's gorgeous stuff it's it's a crazy time um all these people like now you're working on this and that i mean ed's moved on i mean he's got his logan book out now yeah and you know everybody at jim zub look what's happened to him this year over the past couple years like you know just southern ontario making it happen and you're part of this giant historical movement in my (laughs) opinion it's it does feel like there's been a graduating class yes like guys like myself and guys that i've known who have now moved up to um you know working on a certain caliber of book or just being like just being present in in mainstream comics Mm -hmm. um Mm-hmm. so it's like that feels pretty it feels not only cool for myself to be a part of it but it cool it feels cool to to look at like big titles and seeing my friends names on the on the covers yeah yeah um, and it's nice to see kind of the more more of the marvel coming in like not that a lot of the legends haven't done a lot of marvel work but when you look at it a lot of like the ty templeton the jason Fabok, the david finch the ken lashley's who are all within an hour of each other mm. you know and that kind of really exploded around the new 52 time yeah you know a lot of those guys have done a lot of amazing dc work oh for sure you know and then i finally got to chat with ken on the show one time and lashley it was when he just gotten the x gig yeah and he was so excited to draw colossus <laughs> that's all he could talk about he's like x-men yeah it's cool and this and that but i get to draw colossus now as <laughs> accomplished as i am and as much as i've done i'm easy was still like a giddy kid yeah he got to draw just colossus yeah you know so it brings his whole thing back you know it's i think it's a great it, time man i think every creator must have that one character or property that kind of brings them to their knees in a way right um, right and so like they, everybody's got that one thing that they, what's yours 
Oh gosh, I I want to like Wolverine would be it. Um, and then Batman would be the other. Dude, I'm dying to see you draw the bat one day. Not that I, you know, you haven't drawn Batman, but like, if I get to see you get to do some work on Batman one day, man, that would be, it would be, be some cool stuff, man. I, it'd, be pretty, <laughs> it'd be pretty stellar. I always feel yeah. like saying it out loud means it'll never happen, but that has not stopped me from ever saying it out loud. Well, you know, it's amazing the things that I've seen happen is I've gotten to know people. I mean, I've been doing the show for almost nine years. Mm. And I've gotten to meet such incredible people over the years. And not just to have these incredible conversations, but to get to know these people because of going to all the shows and it being local. And, you know, I've heard people say ridiculous things like ridiculous dreams. And not two years later, they've ended up doing that thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've been hearing certain people, oh, I want to work for this company. And I've been hearing it for years. And all of a sudden, the moment happens. And to see it actually happen has been... You know, part of the blessing of getting to do what I do and getting to record a lot of this and getting a lot of know, like, all these different people's stories and stuff. You know? Sure, sure. So that's why it's been a long time coming that I've wanted to get you on the show, especially being, like, a hometown hero. Like, <laughs> Mississauga represent, you know. Because I, I, I look at you, there's three main levels to me. Mm. Or maybe four, because you've got the top. We got the Ty Templeton, the Faybox, the Finches. Faybox kind of moved up into there over the, like, yeah. You know, since the new 52. And now Zub has kind of gone from there to really gone at the top. And then we've got those mid guys, guys like you, you know, guys who are like bringing it, bringing the flame for the next generation. And then there's guys under you, like Sean Daly, mm-hmm. who are just setting the independent scene on fire, you know, as you're starting to get, you know, your crazier pro work. So I just love to watch this happen. And again, we're so lucky around here to see all this. And you're a huge part of it, man. So, you know, people are inspired and influenced by you as well, you know, especially, well, you hear it in the area. Because I was that kid. I wanted to make comics. And I screwed up. You know, I did a lot of stupid things. You know, I partied my life away in high school. And I didn't get to do a lot of the dreams I wanted to do. Mm. But, you know, I grew up in that time when had I stuck with it, it's almost hurts more now because I see how many guys have been able to do it from this area. I'm oh, like, gosh. man, I might have been okay if I'd actually stuck with it. But it's all right because I love what I do. And now doing this, I get to express that creative side of things, you know, and, mm. and, and talk and enjoy the things that I love, you know. So it's great times. Um, I guess one more thing, uh, James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. You want to mention that before we uh, oh, I, let I did, you go here? I did, a, I, I did a cover for James Bond, uh, James Bond 007, number five uh, from Dynamite Entertainment dynamite comics um and i think that's coming out in march right on um yeah like james bond was uh like i grew up watching days of 007 15 days of 007 on cbs <laughs> yeah. um but i i've liked james bond forever and um you know like i've i remember when they not you know, it was like a year or so ago when they started like doing james bond comics and i started seeing art for it I had like kind of quietly hoped that I could get to do something with it. And um, uh, so I lucked out and it was an opportunity that quickly came up uh, recently. And um, I was really excited to, to just do anything. In, right. The right. And, it's a great fit, man. Well, thank it's you. It's a great fit. It looks fantastic. Like, Probably like the best, like the, the most fun thing about it was just like, you know, designing how, like you know how how you draw james bond right just because like he's a character like you know he's been played by seven different actors or something like that and um uh and and like you can't 
one of the rules was like you can't have him look like any any of the actors because it's like a yeah it's a thing so um so what was fun for me was like trying to draw him in a way that was clearly bond without having to lean on any one actor you nailed it well thank like you. it's definitely bond without and i specifically looked at it and was like there's no, it's bond but there's no like there's no actors in there so i did one where it was like too much like connery and too much like dalton oh yeah um, and because uh, i've just seen the one that's like baby blue yeah with him in the middle that's yeah. the one right that's yeah, the one yeah. and i don't like i would like to do more i don't know if i'm gonna get to but um but yeah like i uh i i you know i, I went back and i found the right balance and um so yeah I, I hope that i get to do more it'd be cool if you did man i'm <laughs> sure there's tons out there more that you're gonna get to do and we're gonna get to enjoy it so uh uh thank you it's been a long time i know i've been bugging you to do this so i'm glad we finally got to yeah for and sure it's been a fantastic time and everybody can go out there you're all over social media adam yeah. gorham you yeah know, just google it and you'll see shit everywhere so <laughs> i'm on instagram and twitter and both of them are adam to Gorham. Yeah, and come by. I'm assuming you'll be at Toronto Comic Con in March, as usual. Yep, yeah, I will. Be. Is that confirmed, Dar? That's been. I think that's official. That's fantastic. <laughs> We're times. breaking it here. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the present and the future, Mr. Adam Gorm. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Right on. <laughs>